Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome once again to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you are listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to some really amazing, devout Catholic teenagers about all kinds of different topics, and then we invite you, parents, to listen in on our conversations. And it is our hope and our prayer that in listening, you'll gain some insight into the mind of your own Catholic teenager, maybe some wisdom, maybe even a little bit of courage you might need to have these conversations with your own kids. So we thank you for joining us. I want to welcome back two of our very favorite guests. We have with us today Sam, who is a parishioner at Church of the Resurrection and a student at Westerville South High School. Welcome, Sam. Hi, thank you. And we have Kobe, who is also a parishioner at Church of the Resurrection and a student at St. Charles Preparatory School. Welcome back, Kobe. Thank you. And you have to say preparatory when you say St. Charles, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, I've learned that over the the past. (laughs) Well, uh, we are in the midst of a series on the Beatitudes. And today we are looking at the sixth beatitude, which is blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So, of course, we have Sam and Kobe here, two very pure of heart young men. Oh, my gosh, they're both making horrified faces. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think to have the discussion about purity of heart, we sort of have to talk about, I think to talk about what it means to be pure of heart, we sort of have to talk about what it doesn't mean to be pure of heart. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> the best way to understand what something is is to understand what it isn't. So in contrast to pure of heart, I thought I thought it'd be good to just kind of go through the seven deadly sins. <gasps> okay. dun, 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 <laughs> right? Just as a good sort of frame of reference, because these are sort of the starting point of all of our sins, and it is our sin that keeps us from being pure of heart. Um, so... We're going to go through these and talk about how they cloud our hearts, keep our hearts from being pure, and and how they keep us from seeing God, which is the promise of this, this beatitude. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So let's start with the very first deadly sin, pride. I was thinking about pride, and I wanted to ask you guys what you would say is, because we're always told, be proud of your work. Oh, you should be so proud of yourself. So what is the difference between being proud and having pride or being prideful well i think when you're proud of something you've accomplished that's mostly coming from when you've succeeded through the gifts that god has given you and you know you acknowledge that and you can thank him but when you're just prideful i think that insists kind of like an arrogant sort of thing or um selfish yeah selfish focus on yourself Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. on yeah and um, I don't know. I think it's obviously much better to be thankful for what you have than to exploit it. I always like to see like football players in the end zone score a touchdown and then point to the air, like give glory to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's such a powerful witness. Mm-hmm. Being proud, but like you said, Sam, recognizing the the source of the gift that you've yeah. been given. Yeah. It all comes from there. How does pride cloud our hearts? And make them impure. Um, I mean, you tend to think about yourself more. And 
when you have pride, you want to, you kind of feel like you deserve more um, than you really do, and you try to take more for yourself, more pleasure and things like that. Yeah, when basing off of that pleasure, I mean, that kind of leads into the other ones, and they all kind of come back to pride. Which a lot of people say pride is the root of all sin. Like the seven deadly sins are the roots of all the sins, but pride is the root root of all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have some good news, right? So for every sin, there is a corresponding virtue or a counteracting virtue, I should say, right? And the virtues are what enable us to see God. Remember, going back to that, the promise of this beatitude is that we will see God. And I think... I think not only is this a long-term promise, you know, seeing God in heaven, living our lives so that we can get to heaven, but also a short-term promise, seeing God everywhere, every day, in everyday situations, in other people in our lives. Um, And so for pride, this counteracting virtue is humility. Um, So I'm wondering, in in your experience or in your opinion, how... How or where does humility enable us to see God? Have you had experiences with that? Well, I think anytime you are humble, it kind of goes back to being uh, proud of something you've accomplished, but acknowledging God, like we said earlier. And I think when you're when you're humble, I think people appreciate that more than if you're snobby about what you did. Like, for example, I'm a musician, and if I gave a performance that was top-notch, you know, and instead of bowing and walking out all professionally, I just started being like, oh, none of you could do it. I just did. I'm amazing. I think <laughs> obviously that's that's not what we want. That's true. Even though it is true, Sam, you are amazing. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I think when other people are humble, you notice it more and you respect it more than when like people are saying like, I'm, like it's all me and stuff. Is it does it? Surprise you, Kobe, when you see somebody who is humble? Is it is it not the norm? Is humility? Somewhat, yeah, especially when you look at like athletes and actors and stuff. When you see those kind of people who are humble, as you respect them a little more. I agree. Yeah, I remember um, one of the seminarians, Chris Crum. Um, he was telling me about how you can really see humility in Jesus because I mean. He's the most humble you can get when the divine creator decides that he should humble himself and become a measly little person. And then not only that, but he should be killed by all the other measly little people. And I think that shows how important humility is. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. (laughs) Clearly, it's an important virtue, right? Um, It's how our Lord even came into this world and how he left this world. Yeah. Is it can we practice humility? I mean, short of being beaten and crucified, and can, can we practice? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, every time, I mean, even every day, like when you walk around and stuff, you just, you can exude humility kind of, and I don't know, it's just, it. I think you can, you notice when someone's humble and they don't have to say that much, but you just like notice it. I agree. All right, let's move on to envy. Envy is um, the second deadly sin. It's, and, and in fact, there's no order to the deadly sins, by the way. I, this is just how I have listed them. So <laughs> there will not be a quiz. So envy is when we have sorrow about someone else's good, right? We, right. we can't take pleasure in someone else's good fortune or, or blessings because we just 
are mad about it for whatever reason. So I'm wondering if envy is common among teenagers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what kinds of things are teenagers envious of? Uh, I don't know. I mean, people with other teenagers who may have like a better complexion or, you know, like the star quarterback football team gets more girls than you do. I mean, obviously that's not super important, but you know, as a but teenager, that would be something you would be envious about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How people look. Stuff people have. Mm-hmm. Grades. Yeah. Yeah. Or Academic. like a car. It, it changes with like what everyone places importance upon. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically, it can be anything, would you say, depending on who you are? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, is your culture teaching you to be envious? Not not really. I mean, like, I mean, society's society's pretty messed up, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's something that always happens. But, but uh, I don't know. Envy, envy is not one of them that I think they try and push on us. But I think it just happens, just because it's like we want what like we don't have, and I think that's just a natural human response. So we're not necessarily being trained to be envious. We're just being trained to want stuff that we don't have. Uh, yeah, essentially. I mean, I guess a lot of commercials kind of make you be like, if you don't have this, then you're wrong. Yeah. So that's one example. Well, the virtue to fight envy is admiration. Um, and the best way to practice admiration is to admire someone of whom we're jealous. Have you guys ever tried to do this? I have. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's kind of hard to uh, <laughs> admire somebody that you're jealous of because if you're jealous of them, they may or they probably do have something that you want. And if you know they have something you want, they might be uh, prideful about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> seriously, I'm not trying to root this back. This is just what's going through my head. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to admire somebody when they're kind of flaunting it. Well, who mm-hmm. do you admire? Let's let's. Let's take a step back. Who are the people you admire? You can name names or not, whatever. Uh, I admire my private lessons instructor. He's a college professor of trombone. Uh, private Arbonne. lessons instructor? Is that yeah. what you said? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Why do you admire him? Well, obviously, he's a very good musician, but he's he's humble about it, and he's, uh, he's a good teacher. He's not like, no, you're wrong. Play more like me. He kind of, you know, works you through stuff. So why aren't you jealous of him? Like, if he's an amazing musician, he's like, Probably you're probably striving for his level of musicianship, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So what is it about him that you're not jealous of? You just admire. Uh, I mean, I admire his ability to just be a musician and just the way the way he's good and the way he just is. He's just like he just plays something really hard out of out of thin air, and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's cool. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Kobe? Who do you admire? Um. Well. I'm all about sports, so pretty much like any athlete who is there who always gives credit to their team or God or um, or just is really humble about the way they do things. And like, even though I want their talent, like I wish I could have like be as gifted as they are. Um, I I admire the fact that they aren't selfish about it and things like that, you know. See, this seems backwards to me because, no, I mean, I I agree with you guys, but I would think that you'd be more envious of someone who can be humble about their talent 
than you are about someone who is not humble about their talent. Like, I think you would almost write off people who aren't humble about their talent. Well, you also want the humbleness that they have, too. You know, so are you like, envious yeah. of their humility? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, just in a contorted way. Your brain. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying uh, to figure out what causes us to cross the line from admiration to envy. Do we know? I mean, I, uh, thinking about it. <laughs> um, I think, you know what I think it is? I already have an answer. I forgot. I just saw it in my notes. Yeah, I was looking at that as well. <laughs> I think it's easy to admire someone that doesn't threaten us or who isn't competition for us. Yeah, so like a college professor isn't direct competition to me. Right, you're not yeah. fighting him for a chair in yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I'm not going to like challenge an NFL athlete or like a... <laughs> guy who plays in the mls or something i'm not going to challenge him i'm going to respect it i don't know it makes sense I guess. you could though kobe probably not but. sam and i would support <laughs> you <laughs> yeah we'll be your cheerleaders um Thanks. how and where will we see god when we practice the virtue of admiration do you think probably in those people you admire you know it's easier to see i mean you should see god in everybody but it's easier to see it in people who are you know practicing virtue Boy, that's true, isn't it? And mm-hmm. we'll come back to that, actually. <laughs> we want to talk more about that. Okay, next deadly sin, wrath or anger. Does either of you... You guys are both pretty chill. I don't know. Do you suffer from wrath? <laughs> yes. Oh, you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, some people. What are the things that make you angry? I don't know. I, th- I think I think <laughs> stupid mistakes make me angry. Like like when I do them, or essentially when anyone does it, it's like if you if you knew that what you're doing is just blatantly incorrect or just like not the correct solution or something like why are you doing it i don't know yeah that's um it's you know father tony he father tony picard he talks about stupidity and <laughs> ignorance in and you know ignorance is like you don't know what's wrong so like if you do it it's not your fault but stupidity you know it's wrong so if you do it you're being stupid and you shouldn't do it yes i remember talking about that that's that was awesome definitely frustrating when people do stuff that's just, but frustrating just, Kobe is different from wrath. I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> be ni- I don't know. I'm trying no, not no, to you be, can't okay. be nice about it. it this it, is it, wrath. Ma- it makes me pretty mad. Like, you know, I've never really seen Kobe exude anger. No, I guess. I what mean, about when you're driving, like road rage? Do you guys get road rage? I, I wouldn't say, I think the most mad I get is like with my siblings. Aha. Uh-huh. The Kobe siblings are pretty easy to get mad at. <laughs> well, wow. even Sam gets mad at your siblings. I hope they're not listening. They probably are. <laughs> so, like, what? What Sorry, do your siblings Jack. do that make you mad? Oh, um. Well, never mind, because we don't want you yeah. to like give details about your siblings. <laughs> well, this one time. <laughs> but so that's a good segue, Kobe, because my next question is: How does anger affect our relationships with others? Like, when you get mad at your siblings, how does that affect your relationship with them? The way I get mad at my siblings is way different than the way I get mad at other people. Like, I take out my anger in different ways. So, with my family, it's probably worse. Like, with my brother and stuff, it would, it, you know, I it's probably, like, when I get mad at him, it's not very good for our relationship, I guess, sometimes. But Does it hurt your relationship? Does it, like... Uh, I think, in general, we... I mean, it doesn't matter that much because we don't take things that seriously, but it could 
if something happened that was like actually serious. Yeah. But if you have like road rage or something, you know, it's probably somebody you're never going to see again. And your only relationship with them is screaming at them for how bad of a driver they are. So, I mean, that doesn't really help anything. <laughs> Does anger or wrath re- affect our relationship with God? Yeah, because you're supposed to love everyone as if they were God. And if you are angry and, uh, you know, hate, mad at them and stuff, you're not going to treat them like... Yeah, I'm especially calling both of you out right now because you both said that stupidity makes you angry. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for me, when I'm angry at someone, I, if I take a step back and look at it, I have elevated myself above that person. I mean, in a lot of situations. I've, I, I'm not seeing God in that person. I'm being self-righteous, thinking, you're so stupid. How could you do something so idiotic, you know, that, to the point where I'm mm-hmm. enraged? And there's pride yeah. because yeah. you think you're better than them. I'll tell you what, I already know that pride is the root of all of my sins, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm confessing that in front of millions of listeners. Okay, Um, but for wrath, the corresponding corresponding virtue is forgiveness. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice, it's good, but it's not easy, is it? Not always. Have Have you ever been given the grace to forgive in a situation in which you were angry that you can think of? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh... I mean, without getting into details, no, you know, when, okay. when someone, somebody like really hurts you and, and instead of just kind of leaving them behind, you kind of just give them a second chance and really kind of just work with them, I guess. I mean, it feels a lot better to resolve that relationship than to just have an enemy, I guess, and just kind of be like, I don't like you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how, how does wrath feel compared to how does forgiveness feel wrath is easier you think so yeah i think you're right i think forgiveness is easier to live with though yeah well afterwards forgiveness is easier but at the moment it's just like easier just like lash out then i heard oh sorry go ahead you know because then you're gonna have like that and like person to deal with afterwards and you're not it's you have to like start to mend it after that but if you do it right away then you're not gonna have that trouble after I heard a great analogy for wrath. It's being angry at somebody or refusing to forgive someone is like drinking poison, like me drinking poison. Like I'm mad at you, Sam. So I drink poison and then I wait for you, Sam, to die. Oh, I see. (laughs) Well, you're not Chuck Norris, so I'm not going to die (laughs) from that. But I mean, I I see where the analogy goes. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't do me any good to be angry at you and it doesn't do you any bad for me to be angry <laughs> right. at you, right? Um, okay, let's move on to sloth. This is the next deadly sin. Some people say sloth. I think this is, I know, I don't like sloth. You both yeah. gave me kind I like, of a, I like sloth because it's more lethargic, I think. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it more fits what, the, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the most difficult to define. The catechism in paragraph 2094 states that spiritual sloth goes so far as to refuse the joy that comes from God and to be repelled by divine goodness. I don't really understand that. I've never, <laughs> ever been repelled by divine goodness. Yeah, I don't really get that either. I, I think some more commonly sloth is defined. I mean, I'm not saying the catechism is wrong. I'm just saying more common a more common understanding of it is a, like lukewarmness toward God or spiritual laziness or um, apathy 
in regard to faith or into relationship with God. Uh, I don't know. What are your experiences with sloth? Like what are there things that cause you to be more slothful spiritually or that encourage you or put you in that direction? When you don't attend mass regularly and uh, you do things that are against the faith regularly, it tends to lead you away from like where you need to be and being with God. Is that because you don't want to face where you ought to be? I mean, why does it lead you away? Well, because you're not practicing it. So when, I mean, that's just the definition of being lazy, I guess. So I, I guess that's... Yeah. I mostly agree with that. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. I was kind of thinking about this in terms of political correctness or tolerance. I don't know if you guys will follow me on this, but. Yeah, I think like, I see what you're saying. Like if if you don't stand for something and you just kind of sit and deal with it. You don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to be too bold in anything you do. Yeah, because I mean. That's sloth. I mean, you don't really want to admit that it is, but but it is. Does it sort of does it sort of lead us in that direction? Like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just not going to do anything. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm supposed to profess where I won't offend anyone, so I'm just not going to profess anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a sense. yeah, and I think it's really subtle. I think it's very subtle. We may not even be aware that it's going on, but I think that is leading to sloth. Just a kind of a fear of <laughs> offending anyone with our practice. Right. Um, well, the virtue, there are a couple of, well, there are more than one virtue, by the way, to, to counteract all of these sins. But for sloth, it's zeal and hope. And zeal is basically being on fire for the Lord. Um, so can we practice zeal? Yeah. I can think, you get mm-hmm. zeal or does it just hit Probably you outside the head? adoration, I think, kind of gets you like the whole... Wow, that was awesome. Yeah. should do this more. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have periods I mean, in your life when you're more zealous than other y- yeah, times? Definitely. What contributes to that, Cody? In your Kobe, sorry, in your experience. <laughs> Sometimes it just um, pops out. Well, I think whenever you go on a retreat or something with other people around you who are sharing like the same faith as you and ideas, then you when you connect with people it's way easier to get into it than if you have a period of like just doing everything by yourself and trying to get it all together. It's way harder and you kind of lose it sometimes. Yeah. uh, Zeal and hope is the other one. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we need to say anymore. (laughs) What are you thinking, Sam? I mean, hope's a good virtue to have. I don't see how it counteracts uh, sloth very well. Well, I, I think that, if I have hope, uh, both in the short term and in the long term, I'm more likely to be more proactive in my faith, in my practice of my faith, in my seeking God, in my longing for God, because I know what I'm striving for. I think hope would lead to zeal. I agree with that. Yeah. And we are the experts, so hopefully all of our listeners are also agreeing with us. Okay, uh, of course, we're running up against the clock. I don't know why I always do this. Avarice, otherwise known as greed. Wait, uh, can I just say something? Yeah. Because I think as teenagers, it's probably more important that we get to uh, 
to lust. You okay. Know? I mean, greed, money, bad. We all know that. Okay. Well, money, hang on. So let's blow stuff. through. Avarice. Okay. Uh, and the virtue is generosity. Gluttony. The virtue is um, t- uh, temperance or moderation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Sam wants to move right into lust. So, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't quite sound right, but you know what I meant. So, the seventh deadly sin is lust. What did you want to say about it, Sam? Oh, I just wanted to go through this Oh, okay, you just Um, want to make sure we get to it. So, would you say lust is a problem in our world? Yes. (laughs) Without a doubt. Is it encouraged in your generation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like well, go lose your virginity when you're 15 years old. But I mean, it's it does it also doesn't really deny doing that, I guess. I mean, you know, it's like date around, have fun. You know, you're a teenager, live life to the fullest. It's like, eh, it's not really what you should be doing. Do you, do you, don't you see that like in, um, like the ultimate goal in a relationship is a sexual relationship. I mean, that's how it's portrayed. Yeah. And would you agree with in that? A lot of high school relationships. Yeah. 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 So what's the, uh, what's the virtue to fight lust? Uh, that would be chastity. That would be chastity. <laughs> <Or abstinence>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And how does chastity enable us to see God? I think this is so confusing for people to put God anywhere in the context of, sexual desire i mean i can't really think that either because when i think if you're trying to keep god in your relationship then you would want to be with the person more so you can help to see god in them more and kind of keep it between you guys but i don't know does anybody else feel free to elaborate because i don't know (laughs) what do you think kobe how does chastity enable us to see god um i mean you just look at the person with more actual love and when you went like love is god so I today's think, reading god is love so <laughs> you know i guess that's the way i would think of it well dave is telling us we have to pray and close so actually we should do a seven series <laughs> Seven part series on the seven deadly sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promise of purity. We thank you for virtue. We ask that you help us to practice these things in our life so that we can see you every day and ultimately in heaven. In your name we pray, Lord, Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We thank you for joining us. And until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Sunk to